Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Something Something Podcast. Podcast. My name is Eric Kasloff, and with me, as always, is Larry Sands. Say hello, Larry. Hello, Larry. Okay, so before we get started, we must say, right, because you have, and anybody that's listening to the show or follows this on Instagram, Eric has, has a pretty cute little doggy named Chewy. So he's in the room right now. Um, so if you hear any, any dog barking, it's not me, it's not Eric, and it's certainly not our guest, <laughs> but it's Chewy. So he's, he's like your co-pilot, right? Yeah. Or is he your captain? I've really been wanting to replace you with Chewy for a while now, and this is a great chance to get him on mic. That's great. Just go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead and put him up there. Go ahead. Let's see him. Let's see if he can talk. Go ahead. Hey, Eric. <laughs> hey, how are you doing? Well, no, I've decided that his voice is more like Rick Moranis in Ghostbusters. That's how I feel. If Chewy talked, that's how he would sound. You know, uh, hey, Eric, uh, where are you guys going? Um, <laughs> like, uh, uh, like, okay, cool. Right. Yeah. That's cool. Right. So, Larry, how are you, good sir? You know, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, keeping busy, which is always good. Um, you know, uh, and I, people who listen to the podcast know I've been working on a, a faith-based film. And I delivered a couple months ago uh, a rough cut. Um, it was back in April, right? Yes, yes. And and now I'm, I'm into the... Uh, I'm I'm fine cutting it right now and doing some color stuff. And uh, since it's faith-based and there's hell involved, I get to be a little bit more creative um, with the different uh, effects and color. So I'm I'm super excited about that. So yeah, yeah. And and it it seems like we've already got a little bit of of heat, as they say in the business, <laughs> uh, a little bit of interest. Uh, in the film. So that's a good thing. We'll be talking about that more uh, when we can. Yes, absolutely. Please do. Mm. So Eric, now, you know, I know we've been talking about this the last couple of but um, how is the, uh, the, um, the submission process for Hillsborough Road? Um, like I talked about in previous episodes, I'm trying to get the buzz for Hillsborough Road, my 1980s throwback slasher movie going. I've submitted so far to four um, film festivals. The Good Grain Film Festival, yes, that's a thing. Nice. Indie Vision, Red Finch Film Festival, and the Sleepy Hollow International Film Festival. Ooh. I haven't heard back from any of those yet because I literally just submitted on Sunday. Nice. And by the end of the month, I'll be submitting to Slamdance. Mm -hmm. And again, Ooh. I will be keeping everybody informed on the podcast and on the YouTube channel. Heck yeah, heck yeah. Hey, what about, are you, gonna, are you thinking about doing uh, New Jersey Con? Um, they don't have a script competition, ah. but the short that I'm trying to get made, if I'm able to find the right location, mm -hmm. it will definitely be submitted to that. Night. Now that, now that's a film, like your like action short, right? Not this script. They, yeah, that would be a, that, that. It's a, the, the short for Hillsborough Road is, has nothing to do with the feature. It's just another story involving Alex Williamson. Nice, nice. Very cool, man. Hey, Very so Larry, cool. I want to talk about Instagram really quick. Yo. Because yes. there are times on Instagram where you could find stuff that just makes you sad. But then <laughs> there are those times when you find stuff on Instagram that you're immediately captivated by. And you just want to know more about the person's career because what they're able to do with the minute that Instagram gives you is amazing. And there is no one pretty much better at that, in my opinion, right now than our guest today, um, Alana Grace. How's it going, Alana? Hey, it's going good. <laughs> that was very uh that was very kind of you. <laughs> oh, yeah, well again, uh, there will be links to all your 
all your social media stuff. And I highly recommend everyone check out her Instagram because it is some of the most clever, well-shot stuff I've seen on Instagram. Oh, thank you. I mean, we, we certainly do our best with, uh, you know, every space of our apartment. (laughs) (laughs) Now, one question I got before we get into deeper stuff, Instagram doesn't allow you to upload high def stuff, but the things you shoot look amazing. You're not doing that on a cell phone, right? No, no. So, um, I, I have about four different, um, DPs that that I can call or that I've used over the last couple of years. Um, most of them use the Sony um, A7S Mark II or III. Um, but I mean, the last bunch we actually shot uh, on an Alexa Mini because um, oh my. one of my one of my cinematographers he just he just bought it and he was like trying to play around with it. So he was like, "Can I use this?" I'm like, "Um, yes." Wow. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not going to say no. (laughs) If you guys who are, you know, you just dig the show, you're not involved in filmmaking at all, an Alexa is a very amazing camera. Like, you can go to your theater right now, throw a dart in a movie poster. Odds are it was probably shot on an Alexa. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like overkill for for what we're doing but i'm you know it normally costs a lot of money to rent a camera like that so when he was like hey i just bought it can i use it i'm like uh hell yeah man (laughs) (laughs) and my alexa just why not And my Alexa just turned on. No, really? Alexa, are you, no. Sorry, you, yeah, I know, oh, oh no. Commercials. <laughs> She's listening. They're always listening. But yes, uh. as, if, as if you have to ask. I mean, you know, sometimes you'd be like, hey, can you use your, your, your better camera? You're like, no, man. I got, here's this little, <laughs> here's this little camera. But he's like, hey, uh, I got a favor to ask. Can we use my bitchin' camera? You're like, uh, yeah. <laughs> So you know, I got this uh, really yeah. good Polaroid <laughs> camera. I'd rather we shoot on that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going for that real grainy look. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, That's awesome. You have had an amazing career. I've listened to your stuff on Amazon Music recently, and it is really really good. And I'm not just saying that. Again, I'm normally not a pop, you know, softer rock kind of guy, but I was really enjoying this. So why don't you give our listeners this, the beginnings of your, how you got involved in the entertainment industry? Oh God. Um, it's like my whole life. Well, my, my dad, uh, is a country music booking agent uh, and I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, so I started, uh, saying I wanted to be a rock star when I was about six. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, cause that was just kind of what people did in my house, you know, like every, everybody that I thought was cool. And, you know, I'd always tag along with my dad when I could to go backstage at shows. So I was like, that's what I want to do. Like, cause that's a real job, um, <laughs> at yeah, that level yeah. at least. <laughs> um, so, you know, they, they put me in piano lessons and I tried to learn guitar, but I was growing up in Nashville and, you know, everybody and their mom is like this amazing guitar player. So I'm afraid I only play a little bit of guitar, <laughs> um, but also in Nashville, everybody's a songwriter. Uh, so I, I kind of got lucky in that I was just already in the music community and, uh, you know, he would have me sing whenever we were at like parties because the Nashville people uh, just bring out guitars and stuff, you know? (laughs) Uh, So when I was like 10, you know, trying to be cool and hang with my dad and my dad's friends, I would like be singing uh, just at at producers' houses and and stuff like that. Just, just in a circle, generally a group of like amazing musicians. And through that, uh, a couple of the producers had me start singing their demo tapes. Nice. Um, yeah, uh, my voice developed really early. So, <laughs> um, so 
I, I kind of fell though into kind of Celine Dion type stuff or like super country because those are just the people that I knew. Um, so when I was about 12, I was like, I want to do rock. I don't want to do any of this stuff, you know, screw country. Um, and <laughs> as you do when you're 12 and 13. Um, and so I had, I had been hanging out with songwriters and producers for a couple of years at that point. So I called some of the rock producers that I had sung for and was like, will you write with me? And uh, a group of three people um, kind of started helping me learn to write songs and created my first demos. And then, of course, my dad sent him out to everyone that he knew. Um, and I got picked up by John Landau when I was 14, um, who did like Bruce Springsteen, um, wow. kind of his biggest client. And so John Landau got me signed to Columbia Records when I was 15. Um, and then I spent a few years making a record and kind of fighting the fight. <laughs> um, and that's when uh, Black Roses Red came out uh, on the soundtrack. Uh, you know, my first single kind of got moved back um, because of Black Roses Red. Uh, and it was a track that I had written years and years prior. Like I had never recorded it. They heard a demo from my co-writer um, when they were looking for the movie. And because it didn't so really what, match with most of my stuff. Uh, it was on the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, the original soundtrack. Cool. Yeah, so they actually paid me to like fully record the song because all they heard was a piano vocal. Um, and so everything kind of got pushed back, which looking back was probably, you know, was probably what kind of ended everything. Um, but uh, everything got pushed back. So they released that song. And then, of course, the Sony... Um, BMI merger, uh, I'm sorry, BMG merger happened. And so all the people that have been working on my album for the last few years and knew me and were excited about my project got fired uh -huh. uh, and I got dropped. Yeah. <laughs> um, as happens. Uh, so my record was supposed to come out uh, in February of that year and I got dropped in December, oh, like of the, of the year prior. Yeah. So it was really. A bummer. So the only song that came out kind of on that huge level was Black Roses Red, which was pretty different from the rest of my record um, because it was never supposed to be a thing, you know. Yeah. Um, so then I kind of went through a series of indie deals. Um, I got on the Warp Tour. Uh, which was really cool. And that ha that is where I met the people that were in my band that I started um, about a year later called uh, This Is She. And I still love This Is She's music. Um, it's probably my favorite music that I ever made. But we signed to a record company called Adam Ant Records off of Capitol. Um, and they had a you know, tour across Europe and, and we had a lot of awesome, awesome times. And, uh, we let out, we only let out one EP and then, um, the band broke up. We, we basically fell apart and I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> um, so that was my music career. Um, um not to cut you off, in a but nutshell. um, Adam and is that the Adam and, um, the goody two shoes guy? Yeah, so he started it, but oh um, I I didn't ever meet him. It was just like uh, the A&R rep that found us worked oh. with them. So yeah, it was. It's not as exciting. <laughs> oh yeah. So um, so this so that's really interesting because I want to because um, you know I've been in bands and I know how hard it is. Trust me. Yeah. And how difficult <laughs> it is. Uh, and I can only imagine because when you get to a certain level, it's even a lot more pressure. Um, uh, yeah. So I feel like a therapist <laughs> right now because, <laughs> no, because I don't mean to make it sound depressing. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Actually, I wanted to go in. So um, how, what was that? Okay. So let's kind of go back. Yeah. What did it, <laughs> How did you feel? And I can almost—I can only imagine once you found out. Um, because did you know before everybody else, or did you find out when everybody was when the merger happened? So um, got scrapped. I—I I found out right before my whole team, um, which was good and bad. <laughs> uh, but the merger happened, and and I thought that. 
I was going to get through it because I wasn't dropped right away. Um, so I was like, Oh, you know, I think, I think it'll be okay. But, um, I had, uh, an acoustic show at this bar in New York. So I was working in, um, I was living in New York at the time about a month after the merger happened and Steve Barnett had come in, um, as the head of the company and he had never seen or met me. Um, and he ended up walking in to this show. Like it, it was just like some, you know, small random bar in New York and I saw him walk in and I was like, Oh no, you know, like, but I guess it's good that he's, that he's seeing me, you know? Yeah. Um, but he left after two songs and I was like, Ooh. that's probably not a good sign. <laughs> and then nothing happened for like two more weeks. And then I heard from actually Charlie walk who has now had his own scandals, but, um, Charlie called me personally cause he was supposed to be my radio, um, rep and he had loved my project and he, he called me to be like, Hey, so it's not, it's not going to happen. <laughs> um, so it was just a, you know, I had kind of gotten my hopes up because it had been like quite a few weeks um, after the merger and a bunch of people had gotten dropped right away. And I was like, oh my God, maybe my project is moving forward. And like, it had kind of just been on hold for a few months at that point. Um, Cause the record had been finished. I, I want to say in November of the year before, and then the sisterhood came out and they were releasing in June. So my record just kept getting like pushed back and pushed back. <laughs> um, so I was just kind of like sitting there playing shows being like, well, I guess I'll just write music and, wait for it to come out you know <laughs> so as as december you know came i was like oh my god like they didn't drop me they would have dropped me before the end of the year i think it's actually happening like in february hopefully my life will change you know and then and then it was the day that they were closing for christmas break that i got the call yeah. <laughs> and right before so that Christmas, was a really too. great it was a great Christmas and New Year's and my birthday is December 20th so it was like two oh. days before my birthday and I was like this is just the worst year ever <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> stories like this always interest me because I think as artists you know whether it be music actual art filmmaking we've all had that moment when we thought I'm just gonna give up I'm sick oh, of sure. this. You know, or, it's like, um, the Elton John song, I'm going back to my plow, you know, the lyric in Yellow Brick Road. Yeah. Were you kind yeah. of feeling it at that point? Like, I'm just going to go home and not try this anymore? Or did it give you a fire to fight harder? No, that one gave me a fire to fight harder. Um, Cause I made, I made another record um, after that as Lana Grace. Um, and, and I kept, I kept working on music for uh, several, several years. Let's see. I was, I was, I still did music for six or seven more years um, after I got dropped. So uh, I definitely, that, that was not my giving up point. <laughs> Okay. Um, for sure. It was just kind of like a, a confusing point, I would say, because with the success of The Sister of the Traveling Pants and Black Roses Red, I, I kind of didn't really, I was at a, a bit of an impasse, to be honest, um, because Black Roses Red was like people responded to it really well and they, they still respond to it really well. And I never really felt like that was my style. <laughs> um, yeah. And so for my next record, I felt like I was kind of chasing that, um, which is always a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But I was like, oh, if people like that, then I'll be who they like, you know. Um, and mm. I, I don't think that that led me to a good place. So I think that's why that's why I started a new band. And I was like, it's not going to be under Alana Grace. It's like a totally different thing because I wanted to go back to who I felt I was, um, yeah. you know, at the very start, um, all of the, all those years later and all that, all that music later. Um, so that's part of why I started the band. Cause I was like, I don't want to do this alone anymore. Like I didn't have it in me to like fight the fight. 
as a solo artist anymore. So I started the band and I was like, it's not, I didn't want to have anything to do with Alana Grace because I wanted the freedom to do whatever kind of music I wanted and not feel like everyone's like, oh, but it's not Black Roses Red, you know? Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's a Teflon. It it is is because I I think... uh, and Eric, I well actually, both of you guys are directors, and in a way, I guess I am too. But there's always a way that you know we see like an actor or a musician, and the way that those actors or musicians see themselves. And sometimes it's it's two different things, right? Obviously, because um, but but then again, once you start making money, I think in in one lane, they want you to stay in that one lane, and they'll ride that one lane forever, right? And, um, yeah. and you always listen to the behind the music. That's, that's about the, uh, the 30 minute point when everything started going downhill. When, when it all comes crashing. Right, right, right. And, and it, it is, you know, and actually we haven't even talked about like stuff that, that you've moved on to, but it's always, you know, whether you're, you know, any creative person has this thing inside them where, you know, it's kind of like what Eric was saying, but now it's like, Ooh, this could be my moment. This could change my life. Uh, and then it kind of all doesn't. So, so looking, looking back, um, would you say it was a blessing or a curse that that happened? Um, I would still say it's a curse. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I would, I would still say it's a curse, you know, but you can't, who knows, man, they could have let out my record and it could have been the biggest failure ever, you know, and who knows how I would have taken that. Um, it's, it's hard to say, like it, it was, uh, it was definitely a, a character building part of my life. Um, I also think it really put me back in my place, you know, until I got dropped by Sony and, and then kind of fell in this like chasing and I want to say like paddling upstream kind of, um, mindset, uh, everything had really gone pretty well in my life. Like I was like, I don't know why people think it's so hard, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, I was born, uh, privileged to know people in the business, you know, um, I, the way I found my manager and all this stuff, like it was all like everything kind of fell into place. And, and I didn't really appreciate that until after that point. Um, so I mean, is it a curse? Yeah. Yeah. But who knows? Maybe not. I mean, maybe the other way it would have been even worse. Like I could have been like this, like monster who thought that like everything I did was gold, you know, and then have no friends and everybody hates me. and I don't understand why. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, so basically for really, Lopez. Hey, yeah, like, <laughs> here it goes again. Alana, you know, he's done this like a couple of times and now, you know, I'm trying really hard to get Jennifer Lopez on the podcast, but now I don't know if he'll ever come on. I, I feel, you know, she's, she's probably screaming right now, listening to us going, what did I do to these guys? You know, she just threw a shoe at the computer. The show. She just threw her shoe at the radio. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. Jennifer, I, I'm, sorry. I'm so sorry, Miss Lopez. Whenever you want to come on. Uh, I'll I'll email you my number after the show. Thank you. I'm so sorry. And maybe we'll get Chewy on to replace you, Eric, for that one. Amazing. <laughs> okay. There's always those people that you think that about. Come on. Hey, everybody. Eric Kasloff here. Just want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible.com has more audiobooks than I could count. And they're going to give you a free 30-day trial. All you got to do is click the link in the description or go to the URL audibletrial.com slash something something and you get your very own free audiobook. Okay, so when did the acting bug hit you? 
started a musical theater before I started working with producers. Um, they were doing a show of Oliver at the Tennessee Repertory Theater uh, when I was seven. And I was like, I can be an orphan boy. So um, I, I tried out and got in and then got in with that community for a few years. And then I kind of put all of that on hold when things started working out with, you know, writing and, and, and doing demos and making my own demos for music and playing shows. So that kind of took the focus. But when I moved back to LA, um, cause I was born out here actually, <laughs> uh, but I grew up in Nashville. <laughs> um, when I, when I moved back out to LA, I, uh, I started taking acting classes and, and started trying to get into it again. Um, and it's just kind of grown, grown from there. I would say the comedy thing was relatively new. Um, I, I only started making the sketches for Instagram um, or the comedy videos, not really sketches, uh, because I had gone to this like social media uh, class and they were like, like for actors specifically. And they were like, use Instagram as your real, you know, like show the yep. people what roles you want to play. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and so that was honestly like why I started doing that more than like directing or writing or anything like that. I was just like, yeah, let's, let's, let's show people that I want to be like the best friend sidekick fun person. Cause everybody took me like really seriously. Like, I guess if I'm not smiling, everybody's like, Oh God, you're like so dark and serious. Um, you have great comedic timing. Thank you. Thank you I mean, so much. I mean, I've I've been in trouble from laughing so hard at your stuff while I've been out in public. <laughs> <laughs> I love hearing that. No, that's good. That's good. <laughs> Yeah, you know that's that's the thing about comedy too is uh and i noticed like you know you went to the upright citizens brigade and and you did you did that thing by the way but you know you did, really yes. i don't think you can teach comedy too much <laughs> you know you can learn to be a, a dramatic actor but comedy yeah the i i think and obviously my opinion but I think, you know, comedy is, is a lot like music because there's a rhythm and there's beats to it. Um, and I think if somebody tries too hard, um, it, it just doesn't come off as well, I think. Um, but people do it all the time. So, you know, I mean, but I, I, think, I, think, with, with, I, but I think with comedy, I think, you know, it, it's something that they're already, but it's just enhanced with... Um, obviously taking classes and, and doing it and getting all the timing down. So yeah, yeah congratulations. And, <laughs> thanks. And like, you know, learning kind of the, the secrets of it, you know, I, I did UCB. I went through that whole process. And then um, after the sketches, I got into the CBS diversity sketch showcase as a writer. And that really kind of, um, that made me write so much more um, and kind of study comedy scripts a lot more just because we had to come up with so much stuff during that process that, you know, the only way I think of stuff is just like when you watch other comedy, you're like, Oh, I like this part of this and this part of this. And what if we take this character and put it here, you know? Um, and, uh, and by studying that, you know, you, you see the reversals, you see like the rules of three and, and there are definitely, rules that you you can follow to make yourself funnier but i always think it's a compliment when my friends are like well when you say it it's funny and i'm right. like all right well <laughs> that means there's a way <laughs> yeah. so you're saying i have a chance i mean wait never mind yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um so i mean i i you know i think well, you, can, you can learn to be funnier for sure but uh yeah i i think in a it's I, I think I was lucky in that I hear the rhythm of it um, a bit easier than some of my friends. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, talk a little there's, bit. Oh, I'm sorry. Like, there's, oh, go ahead, go ahead. you know, laughing at a joke, but then there's understanding how to perform that joke, you know, whether it be a literal joke, a comedy skit, or any of that. There is a language to it. Yes. Yes, for sure. And that's what you get, you know, when you, 
like I, I went to Leslie Kahn um, for many, many years and she's known as kind of like the comedy actor teacher. Um, but it's because of the, you know, the ways that you're taught to break down scripts and the more scripts you break down, the better you are at writing it. <laughs> um, because you kind of see the rules, you see the rules and then there, there are funnier ways of saying things and of thinking about things. You know, it's just always what is unexpected. Honestly, um, if you lead people to think you're going one direction and then, and then you don't, uh, that makes a laugh, you know? Um, so trying to find the ways to do that and stress certain words, you know, over other ones, it's, it's again, it's a melody. It's a song, you know, every comedy scene is a song. And if you, if you're out of rhythm, it's not as funny. If you, if you don't say it in the right pitch, it's not as funny, you know, (laughs) Uh, I guess I think comedy is more musical than uh, most people think. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Um, Talk a little bit about your, um, your short, the strangers we know. Uh, if you can. Yes. So um, that was my that's my first foray into like directing like kind of a bigger project. You know, we had a large crew. I, I like raised money and, and did the thing rather than just being like, hey, you're my friend and you have a camera. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's film something. Um, <laughs> Uh, It's also my first foray into trying to make a a dramatic kind of deeper story. Uh, It is about adult suicide. So it's, um, it's a little controversial, um, (laughs) which I, I didn't really think about um, when I was making it. It's just, I had heard, I had heard a story um, and then I, I changed a bunch of parts of it. um, But it had always stuck with me. I heard it many years ago. um, And I wanted to make that. So, uh, so I did, but it's just kind of a different, it's a different look at suicide. It's not the person that's like crying all the time and, uh, you know, crying out for help. It's, it's really the person that has made a decision. It's a thought out decision and, um, all the subtle ways that they kind of let people know so that hopefully when they look back on the whole film, um, you know, they're kind of like, oh, there were hints just to kind of start the conversation of, you know, sometimes you have to listen to your gut uh, when you feel like something's wrong with someone, even if they're not acting super strange, if there's like little things that are off, like let them know that you notice, you know, they matter to you. Um, Cause I've had, I've had a couple of friends that committed suicide, unfortunately that um, wow. we really didn't see it coming. Um, and when we looked back, it was like, oh, you know, I guess that was weird or I guess this happened. And it's kind of like, I think we need to look at the bigger picture of why people feel so overwhelmed and, and how people reach out for help, even if it's very subtle. You know, it's not always this big show of, of depression. <laughs> wow. um, yeah. And that's the whole thing with the <clears throat> with depression. You know, yeah, there's people who show it on the outward and sort of wear it on their sleeves, but then there's those silent sufferers who are good at hiding yeah. it. You know, they could be the loudest, funniest person in the room. Uh, a few years ago, A&E did this documentary about famous comedians who killed themselves. And it was just so shocking that these big extrovert people were really miserable on the inside. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, especially these days, suicide's up 38%. Um, wow. It, these days, it's um, it's a real thing that a lot of people are dealing with. Um, so we need to look at it a little bit differently. And it is often the loud people, especially in comedy. Um, you know, I feel like comedy is such a defense mechanism against, against feeling bad. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I didn't mean for it to be so depressing to people. <laughs> as, as no, no. Um, no, I mean. But um, I'm really proud of it. And, and you know, it's it's certainly controversial when people watch it. <laughs> well, I and I think any good uh, piece of art um, is, whether it's a song, whether it's a movie, whether it's a painting or anything, really, 
Um, so, but I, I look, I congratulate you to having the balls to be able to do something like yes, that. Yes, definitely. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, when, now let's get, let's get a little bit more into it. When did you decide you wanted to take on this topic? Um, well, I guess I, I, I'm, <laughs> I heard that, I heard the like story that kind of spurred all of it, um, probably five years ago, to be honest. And, uh, it's funny. I had, my boyfriend had this, has this friend who like travels around the world. I actually have no idea what he actually does. Um, he's like a wanderer for a living. Um, but he came and stayed at our house for a few days. Um, and he called himself an author. I've never heard or seen anything that he's published or written. So, um, who knows? <laughs> but, um, about three years ago, he came and stayed at our house, uh, for like a week, you know, and of course my boyfriend was working the whole time and I'm, I'm over here just like, Hey, who's this weird stranger? <laughs> um, as happens. So, uh, I was talking to him about it and I had like just started, um, helping friends produce short films, not, not doing it myself, but kind of seeing how they did it. And this was like before we even started doing, um, the comedy videos, but I was like, I think I want to, I think I want to make something with this story. Cause he, you know, he was talking about his thing and he was like, what would you write? And I was like, I don't know. And then I told him the, the story and I was like, it's always stuck with me. And like, I just feel like that's such a great beginning to a larger conversation. And he was like, you have to make it. So, um, I think like after that conversation, I, it was always kind of in the back of my mind. So then after, you know, a year and a half of, of having a shoot every single month, um, I was like, I'm ready to take on a bigger story. And I was like, of course I have to do, I have to do that one. Like that's, that's been in my mind. It's been percolating. And, um, so I just, I just kind of wrote it and I was like, here we go. But I, I didn't write it until, um, April of last year, like the first draft. And of course the first draft was like, way too long and awful. Um, so I guess I, I got the shooting draft about June or July. Um, and then I, I had two acting classes read it, you know, separately to make sure that people liked it and, and get any kind of notes and feedback. And then we filmed it at the end of August. Wow. That fast. Yeah. That's good. It was really fast. That's yeah. a great turnaround. I'm, yeah. My biggest turnaround was finishing a script on a Sunday, then filming it on a Wednesday. So pretty, pretty small turnaround on that. Oh my, I like, I don't even see how that's possible. Like just finding locations. We had a couple of things that we had to like really, you know, that were kind of challenges for the location for this film. Um, so it took me, it took me a couple of weeks to find, I would say two weeks to find locations that would even work let alone like they were pretty <laughs> you know cinematic um, yes yeah they were cinematic yeah yeah um yeah but luckily like crewing up and stuff out here is super easy you know it's like i i knew the cinematographer that i loved working with on sketches the most um he's the one with the with the alexa um <laughs> and so i was like hey let's do this you know and i gave him a budget and he he like ran with it in terms of like the other crew members that he wanted to use and uh i had you know a couple line producer friends so i just was talking to them and it all kind of fell into place once we found locations you know, that, that's like but the I'm biggest thing is the hardest part. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Once you, you know, that's like the big, that's like a, a big A-list celebrity going, no, no, not right now. Because they're, they're your biggest, like uh, uh, a lot of times your biggest uh, uh, hurdle, right? Because once you know you got a For location, sure. you're like, it's going to be gravy now. And so, as yeah. you know, yeah. that's the struggle I'm having right now is finding right. a location because um, I'm shooting a horror movie that involves boy, little Boy Scouts dying. Not everybody and, wants to be a part of that area. Yeah, and calling them <laughs> campgrounds and, you know, telling them, yeah, I want to make a movie at your camp. Well, what is it about? 
well, it, it's, it's about stuff, you know, the, the human condition and all that. <laughs> human condition. Oh, God. But then when they say, when I, you know, tell them it's a horror movie and they go, yeah, we don't want to have anything to do with that, I always go, you are exactly right. There is no reason your camp should be affiliated with me. You're doing the right thing. You, you know, I guess you got to look uh, at it the other way. If they go, why, yes, why didn't you come on? I've got a lot of kids. Right. <laughs> okay, so um, two questions with this. Um, are you trying to do the film festival circuit right now? I am. I'm trying to do the film festival circuit. Um, you know, we'll see. It takes so long to hear back from people. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> they take their um, own sweet ass time. <laughs> they do. I mean, I can't blame them, you know, with the, the statistics of how many oh, yeah. films each of them get. I, I don't know that I'd want to personally take that on either. <laughs> There's a um, documentary I recommend on Amazon called Officially Rejected. And yeah. it's about these filmmakers who got rejected by Sundance. And they just started traveling the smaller festivals. And it's just, you know, the the struggle of going to all these festivals and stuff. It's a great documentary. And the irony oh. is it premiered at Sundance. No, it didn't. It was rejected by Sundance. <laughs> oh no, the, the film that the film no, is, even their film didn't get in. Oh, it didn't. No. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I don't know. I, I feel like that's a lofty goal to be like, my film is going to premiere at Sundance, unless you have certain actors or right. like yep. a producer that's worked on it before. Like, I just, you know, out of the hundred spots, I feel like 50 of them are already taken. Yes, <laughs> just, exactly. Now, yep. and will forever be taken. <laughs> right. Right. Now, is doing this short a means to making a feature length version, or is it you just one and done with this story? So I do have a feature length version of it um, in terms of script form, but I, um, that wasn't really the goal. The goal, honestly, for me um, is to help me get into other directing opportunities. Um, so for me, you know, it's already gotten me meetings with some managers and some production companies. Um, and it looks like I'm going to be directing a music video later this year for like a, a, a big enough artist. So really that was the point for me more than anything. Um, because I didn't really expect that anybody would be like, we want to make a full movie of this, you know? Um, <laughs> Like, if they do, I'll be like, great, here's the script. Like, it was an exercise in futility for me to write that. But, you know, I have it. Um, <laughs> uh, but it, it's already serving its purpose, even if it doesn't go to some of these huge film festivals. Like, obviously, I, you know, my, my goal ones are more like Holly Shorts you know like where it's it's hard to get into but it's it's not sundance <laughs> yeah um i i mean i'm gonna submit to sundance just because like why not yeah. Yeah. but yeah. i honestly have no expectation of getting into it you know and if i did that'd be amazing <laughs> when you're ready to do that join the gold membership of film freeway for 11 dollars. it knocks the price down big time for submitting oh I'm, I am already a gold member. Okay, I did that. Awesome. So, yeah, I, <laughs> I did that now, but as soon as the month's over and I've submitted to everything, I'm canceling for now. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I should probably cancel because I've basically submitted, I've got like four more that I was going to submit to and that's about it. And now I'm just waiting, you know? Awesome. We're yeah, just going to see. So I've had an interesting experience already with this one, though. Um, with uh, w one of the ones that I produced a couple of years ago, um, it went to uh, L.A. Shorts and National Film Festival um, and, like, other tiny, tiny ones. But, um, but those, nobody ever, like, called me or anything um, and, and was asking me about the film. Like, they just got in or they didn't. But I've already had a couple of phone calls with, with random um film festivals just being like, Hey, we want to talk to you about your film. And I'm like, I don't know if that's 
good or bad? Have you guys had that experience? Wow. <laughs> uh, no, I, because it's weird. You know, yeah. I, my co-producer, because he's also an entertainment lawyer, handles all the business stuff. Okay. You know, it's a- I've talked what a film festival is. They put the wrong name on the listing. They put my producer's name. So I called him crying. Hey, Robert, <laughs> your name is the filmmaker and not mine. And his response was, Amazing. Eric, are, are you crying right now? No, sir. <laughs> uh, Eric, I'll handle it. And I, I don't know what he said to them in the email because it was like hours later it was fixed. <laughs> oh my God. That's amazing. Yeah. But the yeah, festival, I mean, oh, that's fixable. <laughs> the festival circuit, well, again, I work in a niche genre, horror. That's real. Yeah. The most fun part of that is, yeah, getting your name out there, but it's the people you meet and you're able to build your film family while you're on that circuit. Yeah. I've heard that from a couple of people. Cause like when you're, when I, when I went for the one that I produced it, it, it was just a little bit different, <laughs> you know, like this one, I'm like, I wrote it and I directed it. Like, I'm like, <laughs> uh, I'm just, uh, it's, I have more skin in the game, I guess. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Once you've written the script, I write, direct, and edit. So I care. I've always said, you know, to me, it's I have to make this movie. And when other people come along, it's they want to make it. And that's a big, huge difference, wanting and having to do something. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like I had to tell this story. That's why I chose this story, you know. Well, you know, it's so hard. It's it's so hard to make anything as it is. Like, <laughs> if you don't feel like you're gonna make something great, why even try? Yeah, Bruce Campbell. You know, even if it. Oh, go on. No, you're fine. Bruce Campbell, what? Bruce Campbell always says movies don't get released; they escape. <laughs> <laughs> and I, if you, again, if you're not doing a Marvel movie, that's pretty much how it is. Right. Huh. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, hey, Alana, um, yes. what, is there any difference in your opinion for directing um, stuff for social media or uh, directing your film? And, and what's the biggest thing that you learned as a director uh, on, your, on your short film? Um, in terms of the first question, I would say there's a, there is a big difference. Um, on social media, it's, you just have to keep in mind that people are watching it on a phone. So a lot of close-ups is what you need. You, and like people won't, you know, some movement is fine, but like it, it, it's a little distracting from being able to like really connect with, um, the characters just because we can't see them. They're so tiny, you know? Yeah. Um, so I would say for, so, if you're focusing on social media, closer up and and the simpler amount of shots is just better um on on a smaller screen um at least that's what i found for comedy wise because we want to see your eyes so if it's not close enough we can't see you you're tiny you're an ant i definitely tried to be a bit more artsy um for the short film uh you know we had we had more gear. We had just we were we had more gear and we had more time. Uh, the way I filmed the sketches, we filmed twelve in one day, um, so it's extraordinarily planned out. Um, and then I just release them every week as I edit them. Um, so it's uh, you know we don't we don't have time to be artsy with it. It's it's more just like you get like two takes, and we're trying to tell the story in as few shots as possible um just so we can get in and get out um you know i don't i don't want to pay people for more than one day (laughs) uh, (laughs) for those so uh as much as they're at a highly discounted rate because it is for instagram it's it's still you know you still got to feed the crew and the actors and you're like eh (laughs) um we're gonna we're gonna do this in one day uh, but we have fun uh so we just had a little bit more time it was a it was a three-day shoot for the shorts so we and you know we had gliders and and steady cam and it, you can have a bit more fun um 
but I would say the biggest thing I learned as a director on the short is um, always get more than you think you need. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just, you know, if, if you're like, do we need that? Get it. Just get it. Just because uh, just in case. Yeah. I ended up adding a small montage that I had not written into the script um, in the editing phase because I felt like we needed to feel like more time had gone by. Um, and it was difficult to find new stuff because we didn't, we didn't film enough for it. <laughs> um, so just, you know, we, we had like an extra hour at the end of the night um, on the last night. And rather than being like, let's pack up really, I should have been like, let's just get a few more, random thing just in case you know um so next time i would definitely do that cool yeah um, well yeah uh well i just have one more uh before i know you know before we start wrapping up is there anything going uh, going what you are being how should i say going what you've been through or you know all the all the uh the hills and valleys of your professional career. Um, what, what would be some of the advice to some people listening out there going, man, I, I don't know if I want to, to do something because I think, you know, people have like this itch and a desire, but they don't, they're afraid to itch it or scratch it, uh, or follow it because of whatever reason. But yeah. what would you say to the, to the people out there listening going, should I do it or not? Whatever that may be. Um, I think there is no easy way. Um, so even, you know, even if you choose not to do it, you're still probably going to have that little itch in the back of your mind being like, well, what if, what if, what if? So there, there's no easy way out of it. Um, but my, I guess my main advice would be like, never, never let your feelings of like, not knowing how to do something stop you from doing it. There's That's good. So, mm. Yeah, because there's, there's so many ways to learn. There's, there's so much information available and there are so many people you can ask for help. Like people want to feel like, you know, they're knowledgeable about something and they, a lot of people want to help you learn. Um, so if you're, if you're like afraid to start, cause you're like, well, I don't know how to do that. Like, it's just not an excuse anymore <laughs> oh, that is good that is we should yeah. start the show off with that right there <laughs> that because that that's the most that that's one of the most inspiring things that i've heard um so just do it just just effing do it right <laughs> um yeah yeah and good. like know that you're not going to be good at it for a while <laughs> right and just that's be okay what with that yeah. yeah one of my just be biggest fine with that like the main reason I never learned to play an instrument is because I wasn't good at it right away. And I really hate that about myself. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, I have that reg regret with guitar. I didn't learn because it just, my fingers hurt so bad. Uh, I was like, I don't, I don't want to do this that badly. <laughs> um, well, Alana, it was an absolute blast having you on the show. Anytime you have something you want to promote, or if you just want to come on and tell some jokes, the door is always open for you. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. You're welcome. I hope I wasn't, I hope I wasn't too much of a downer. No, no, this is great. I mean, you know, like, I think there needs to be, I think we need to hear more success stories, but also the stories that keep you going. Because, I mean, that's what, that's what being creative is. It's about the success yeah. and the, the not so success that brings you back up into success. And, and I, I, for one, think it's, uh, and you may, obviously, I think it's a blessing that, um, that you've been through what you've been through and you're talking to us today and you're doing all kinds of stuff. So, um, uh, thank you for being on the show. Number one, number two, whenever you get into, uh, Sundance or any other film festival, please come on. Let's talk about it. And, um, we'll, we'll get you back on for sure. All right. Sounds good. And everybody have a happy, safe and wonderful weekend.